Welcome to the Not Tonight podcast, where we have bold conversations about sex and intimacy in marriage. I'm Rachel. And I'm Caitlin. And we are two married women who believe that telling the truth about sex leads to connection, joy, and freedom. In each episode, we will elevate stories of women discovering their most authentic self by doing the work in their own sex lives. Join us as we hear from incredible women just like you who are discovering that the path to healing begins in the bedroom. Welcome back to the Not Tonight podcast. Hi, everybody. Today, Caitlin and I are here with Heather. We are so excited to hear your story today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to share yes. and discuss. <laughs> all the things, all the things. things. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so Heather and I connected online and we found that we had some similar passions and um, she has a really fascinating story that I look forward to hearing more about today. So Heather, can you tell us a little bit about where you live, your family, your business? Yes. So I am a remarried mother of two. Um, I've been married for about a year and a half. And the unique story about that is that we don't live together yet. We've been dating for eight years. We got married a year and a half ago. Um, I have a daughter that's finishing high school next year. Mm -hmm. So we want to move to his house mm -hmm. and, and renovate it and stuff. So we, we don't live together, which is just interesting for taxes and all sorts of purposes. Yeah. <laughs> I do have a son that's 19 and um, he is off to school in New York City next year. Um, my daughter still has a year of school left. So we're kind of almost empty nesters. Mm -hmm. And I am in business and a fair recovery coach. Mm -hmm. I unfortunately went through an affair in my first marriage and even more unfortunate with my best friend. Mm. <laughs> so, mm. and really struggled during that time to find resources that were going through what I was going through and just kind of felt lost. And so I have decided to create an affair recovery job. So I am a coach to help people through the horrible process of this affair recovery. But at the same time, I want to turn that trauma into triumph mm. for people because mm. I found going through the process, I learned so much about myself. The first thing that I learned was I really wanted to take a step back and not make any decisions that I regretted going through the affair recovery process. I mean, for example, we were in a group and one person was like, oh yeah, I put a billboard up, like stay away from this cheater, you know? And, so, and I was kind of like, no, that's just not my style. And I didn't want any regrets with how I handled the situation, both with my ex and my ex-best friend. Yeah. So I really took the time to figure out, okay, what is the anatomy of a fair? How do I work through this grief? And then, but also at the same time, learning more about myself. How did I contribute? I know I didn't cause an affair, mm -hmm. but I, there was unhappiness there. So how did I show up as a partner? And all of these things that I learned going through the process, and I was fortunate enough to have that opportunity to kind of work through my marriage with my ex. You didn't leave right away. So we did have time to kind of work through, is this what we want? Mm -hmm. And we went to counseling and all that kind of stuff. But during that time, I just learned so much about myself and how I show up in relationships and what I wanted in a relationship. Yeah. And then after I was past it, I was like, I'm a whole new person and I am proud of who I am. I'm a proud of how I handled that situation. Wow. And anytime I heard somebody had a friend going through an affair, I'm like, I want to talk to them, mm -hmm. you know, because I know they're so devastated. But at the same time, I'm like, this, this is a total rebirth of yourself yeah. and with your partner. No, you know, no matter what happens. Right. Regardless of if you stay or go or split. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I found that very exciting. And then raising the kids and being a single mom was difficult. And I just didn't have the, the bandwidth to even think about this. But so in the last couple of years, mm -hmm. it's kind of been my passion. And so I, I just want to share it and try to help people, you know, just become a bigger, better version of themselves during such a devastating time. And I don't talk to my best friend really anymore. Everyone always asks. <laughs> I was wondering. <laughs> you know, I will say, and I will say that, you know, I, I reached out to her when I knew I was getting a divorce, was honest, you know, if you two want to be together, obviously it would be painful, but I'm like, that's what you guys want. We'll make you both happy. 
that's fine. I support it. Mm. They did not reconnect or anything. And then we ended up having dinner afterwards, which was, of course, this emotional mess. I didn't want to hinder any bad feelings towards anyone Mm -hmm. because I don't want to live my life with anger and resentment. So I really just wanted to shut that door. We still text like on our kids' birthdays. Our kids were raised together basically Mm -hmm. until this happened. And Mm -hmm. So I always wish her kids happy birthday. I wish her happy birthday. And that's kind of the extent of it. Um, I'm actually really good friends with her ex-husband who I actually went to college with. So I still have a small connection mm-hmm. there, but we never talk about her or anything like that. So wow. so we wow. are not best friends anymore. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that sounds so healthy though. <laughs> I'm yeah. impressed with your, yeah, how you've been able to navigate that well. Thank you. I mean, and that's, that was my goal the whole time. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, mm-hmm. I always told them, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I'm the one that gets to sleep at night, but I really honestly wanted to be able to be that person and not have any regrets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I am so yeah. impressed with how you could see the end goal at the very beginning and how you had these big aspirations for yourself and the way you carried yourself through that process and made it about self-growth and so much less about what your husband was experiencing and what he had done. And I'm also amazed at how you have channeled that passion into loving and, and supporting other women and goodness, just so beautiful. I am just amazed Thank by you. you. It didn't happen right away. Yeah, (laughs) I will say it took some time. My aha moment was in a support group and a woman came in and was four years out and she was still struggling with the affair and they weren't together anymore and stuff. And I was like, oh my God, that's four years of your life Mm -hmm. still worried about this. And so that was kind of my main like, whoa, 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 whoa. How am I going to handle this? So just a little sidebar. Yeah. Yeah fascinating. So, okay. So this, this piece of your life, as you, I know would agree is not your whole story. And I would love to back up and hear a little more of the context that brought you to that place and brought you and your marriage to that place and then how you've moved through that. So um, can we go back to the beginning and hear a little bit about Young Heather and your ex- your experiences, your experiences with your parents, what you learned about relationships when you were young. Just give us a give, give us an overview. Sure. So, Young Heather was a people pleaser. I grew up in a family with three first children that were all very dominant personalities, and I have an older sister, and she is a lawyer, not to stereotype lawyers or anything, but she's very vocal, very stubborn and argumentative. And I watched the relationship of between her and my parents and became the pleaser, the calming waters, like whatever you guys want to do, I don't want to rock the boat Mm -hmm. type kid, which basically carried on, you know, through my entire life. Um, My mom is very opinionated about things which I really didn't even understand until I was an adult and had my own kids. So her little voice is always in my ear. And I'm always like, okay, what would my mom say? What you know, and my dad, for the most part was was pretty chill. But again, he was a first and and he and my mom's relationship was very, it was it was sweet, like they loved each other. But it was also not as intimate or loving as I wanted. After I realized in my first marriage that I was getting divorced, I was like, I don't know that that's the kind of relationship I want. I want somebody who's like, loves me. And, you know, (laughs) and to my mom's defense, I will say that she, she had some abuse in her childhood. So I think that her biggest thing was trusting men was really hard for her. And she 100% trusted my dad. And that was what their relationship was based on. (laughs) And I'm not sure intimacy was like a big deal for her. Like she's kind of ew about it, you know? (laughs) So Luckily, I had a sister that was like all about intimacy. <laughs> and um, like we didn't talk about it as kids with my mom. And it's funny because we were just talking about this on Mother's Day. And I learned most about intimacy and sex and relationships through books or watching my sister. But my biggest, I wouldn't say fault, but like I'm just the people pleaser. And so I always just wanted to help people. Mm-hmm. And when I met my ex, Not that he was struggling in any way, but it was just, I always wanted to lift him up because he was, well, he was a drummer at the time and he was just a serious guy. And I just wanted to add some fun and wanted to help him 
right? And so that's kind of my relationships have been, oh, I'm going to be the fun, easygoing, but at the same time, that builds resentment too, right? Mm -hmm. Within relationships of always holding it inside. So I, even with my high school boyfriend, I dated him for like three years. And of course I did have sex when I was young in high school and my mom had, I don't know if she even had any idea, but immediately threw up the first morning after I was like so nervous that I was pregnant or whatever. Cause I just didn't mm. know, like, you know, so anyways, but after my high school boyfriend, I, I didn't date anybody, but I, I did, it was just always, I would nag. I would complain about little stuff, like just dumb things that meant nothing in a relationship to almost push them away in a bit. But it was, it was mostly just me. Like, I'm so tired of trying to fix you or support you all the time mm. or make you happy that it gets exhausting. Mm. I was wondering how that resentment then would show up because it sounds like you were aware that you were holding it together and mm -hmm. it started feeling sticky inside. And how would that resentment start showing up? And you started answering that. Like, right. were there any other ways that, that you noticed that resentment kind of creep in and then explode a little bit? Um, really not in the moment, but in my marriage, I will say that our son had some behavior issues. Hmm. He had a mood disorder and my since my ex was a pilot, he was never home. And I resented him not being there to help me hmm. because our son would like literally throw tantrums for three hours, punch holes in the walls and all sorts of things, which was a huge stress on our marriage. Mm -hmm. um, and I had a baby girl that I was also trying to protect from all this crazy. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, my ex would call, he would hear our son screaming in the background, he would come home and he was resentful because I wasn't taking care of the business and keeping things calm. Mm -hmm. And so it was a lot of it was kind of all reflecting back once I kind of was broken away from that from that whole relationship mm -hmm. of figuring out you know, of course, I do not blame my son at all, but our relationship wasn't strong enough to handle all that stress. Mm. And we both wanted more support from each other, didn't really know how to ask for it. You know, because when he would complain about traveling or something, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I am home doing all this stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. And then he would come home and he would be mad because things weren't. Mm -hmm. And then the other kind of thing that built up on that, I mean, kind of leading toward the affair was my best friend's son had the same type of issues hmm. and he my ex and her were they were friends before we met before I met my ex-husband and they ran together so they started running again together training for marathons and stuff and that was just the perfect storm of affair building yeah but I but again it was just kind of all the bottled up resentment of the stress at home him not being home and then you know, when I, when he came home, I don't think I was very excited that he was home. It was more like, take this over, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that both just, just builds a, mm -hmm. a recipe for disaster, honestly. Yeah. Mm. Totally. I just feel like that story yeah. will resonate with so many people in terms of that, that resentment that's in those years of those little kids. Like we yes. struggled so much too. And my husband wasn't gone as much as your husband as a pilot, but he was a shift worker that worked along an insane oh. story. Like, oh my gosh, just yes. like, why aren't you here? And why aren't you doing more? And then get yes, picked mm -hmm. at each other. It's hard to maintain that intimacy or any connection mm -hmm. when we've got those littles. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if your relationship isn't really that strong to begin with, Mm -hmm. then it's never going to be able to mm -hmm. survive. I mean, not, I shouldn't say never, but it's very difficult to survive so, tough times. So difficult. Yeah. And then with <laughs> extra behavior stuff on top of that, it was just, it was really stressful, but mm -hmm. it, it, I was, and I used to think like, I wonder how many people get divorced that don't have kids. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, what are those percentages look like? Because it really <laughs> is just a very trying time for everyone involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So can we back up a little bit, Heather, and go yes. into your your teen years and when you started going into relationships and having sexual relationships uh, with boys, um, you hinted earlier at this 
anxiety around having sex for the first time. So can you tell us a little mm-hmm. more about what that was like for you? Yes. So, and it was real sweet because my boyfriend in high school, like we waited for almost a year <laughs> to have sex. And it actually took him a while to kiss me in the first place. And I remember we went and saw Little Mermaid and it was like, the kiss the girl song came on and my best friend was like hey don't you wish that was you Um, (laughs) but you know it it was kind of like it just I mean I I loved having a boyfriend and I I loved all of that but the intimacy part I think was you know as you're a kid everyone's talking about it or has had sex and I was like when are you guys since we were together for like so long back in the day Mm -hmm. like when are you guys going to do it you know blah 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 so there was all this kind of pressure And unfortunately, like, I mean, again, he did not pressure me at all, but the pleaser in me, I don't think made the best decisions Mm. um, around that type of thing. And it was almost like a curiosity more than love, you know, and it was almost, let's just get this over with. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, well, and the other thing was I had a regular period, so I wasn't really sure when I was going to start again. And then I think that's probably why I was super anxious about after we actually did it. I honestly don't remember if we wore protection. Mm-hmm. I would hope so. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, leading up to it, I was like, my parents were going to be out of town. And so I kind of had this inkling, like, oh, I bet it's going to happen this weekend because my sister was at home and, you know, she was 18 or 19. And so I, I think just the anxiety came from just all of the things mm-hmm. of, oh my God, I just did it for the first time. What if I'm pregnant? My mom and dad are going to kill me, mm. you know, and all of that bottled up. And I don't release anxiety very well. So it comes mm. to like those crazy bottles. But, you know, once we got the first time over with, it was <laughs> it was all hands, <laughs> you know, it was like, whatever. So it wasn't as, I think it was just kind of around that first time. But but then after my high school boyfriend, I really, I didn't have sex with anyone in college because I think I just was like, I just need this time to be me and not have to worry about that. Mm. So, you know, and I dated guys and I was just like, look, I'm not having sex and mm-hmm. those relationships didn't last. And then, mm. <laughs> so I think it, when I went to college, I had a little better self, almost like self-confidence about I'm okay with saying, no, I'm not comfortable doing this. And I'm they're just being upfront that I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. So I started finding my voice a little bit there mm-hmm. until I met my ex-husband. And he was kind of the first person that I had had sex with after that, that was really intimate with. So, you know, looking back, I'm proud of myself for not sleeping around in college. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, it, sounds like, it sounds like sex had a weight to you. Yes. And there was a, a significance and a meaning in it for you. And after getting it over with and then having that relationship right. for a season, <laughs> sounds like you yes. you didn't want to just do that with everybody. It meant something to you and it meant a part of a relationship that was like, I mean, you had set up this precedent that it was worth waiting for. There, there was a waiting period. And then right. You had that be part of your relationship. And so... I think that's really fascinating. Yes. And it's funny because I've never really thought about that before. You know, I just kind of thought I was like, oh, I just don't want to because it was just too much, too many ties in that time frame. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right. It, it was more of a, you know, I'm just going to, I want to keep that for myself for now. And mm-hmm. it, it like, it meant something. I didn't want to just mm-hmm. sleep around and kind of have that reputation and stuff. Mm-hmm. Can I ask too that during this period of time between your first boyfriend and then meeting your husband, did you, Mm -hmm. did you experience sexual desire? Oh yes. Yes, I did. (laughs) There was one person that I consider my half. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Cause I would have, I would have had sex with him, but we both were like, no, what are we doing? You know, when we stopped. Mm -hmm. So there were, there were a couple different people that for sure I, you know, but yeah, I mean, it was always just, I was like, no, I, you know, I don't want to go that far. And then it would be like, okay. And then that was kind of it. So luckily it was very respectable with most people that I hung out with mm-hmm. in, in college. So I did have that, which, which I think was made it even easier for me mm-hmm. to say no in future relationships or yeah. hookups, I guess you call them not really relationships, but yeah. Um, right, yeah. Right. 
I'm, I'm sensing a lot of strength in your resolve and a lot of like healthy patterns in your sexuality going into your marriage. Were there any messages you feel like you also received about your sexuality? Anything that you felt like you should or shouldn't engage in in the way you carried yourself? Well, there were times where our, well, I mean, there were some kind of bad times too, like flags that I probably like, this is kind of more negative. Like when my ex would drink, that's when we would have sex. And then at one point Mm. I was like, why do we only have sex when you're drinking, Mm. you know? And so we had to have a heart to heart about that. And I was like, because it's not okay. Like, I don't feel like this means anything to you. Mm. Is this before marriage or in marriage? Before marriage, before marriage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Because we worked through it all. Because once we we know, once we had that conversation, our our sex life was fine. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, fireworks all the time or Mm -hmm. anything like that. But I think it was a pretty healthy sex life. And I never, it wasn't ever in the relationship where I was like, I wish we had more sex or, you know, I don't feel like you wants to have sex with me or anything like that. It was, it was a healthy sex life for the most part. I I mean, again, until kids showed up and then, and then it takes the back burner, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and I think our communication was such that we didn't communicate our needs to each other about the need to do that. Like, I'm not even like, I don't even know if that would have made him feel more love from me or you know we've never even had that conversation Mm. which to me now looking back is such an easy conversation to have especially when it's about the other person and not about you (laughs) (laughs) you know like let's put the focus on you but if you're in a relationship for years and have never had that conversation it becomes a lot harder that's true because you're bringing up this so I know we've been together for, you know, 18 years, but <laughs> can we talk about, yeah. um, but really in the aftermath of the affair and during therapy is when we started actually having the conversations because our counselor advised us to do so. So we did start having conversations about it. That's fascinating to me that that's when that door opened for you and you started talking about yes. that. So how, how did sex change before and after children sounds like that was a big turning point for you too it was um so before i mean it's listen it's been like 20 plus years but again like you know we lived together and he flew a lot so it was kind of you know but whenever he was home we would have sex it was again just kind of a normal sex life but then when our our sweet little boy was born he slept until 5 30 latest so having sex at night, having sex in the morning was both kind of off the table because we were like, we're going to be exhausted if we mm-hmm. have sex tonight. Mm-hmm. And then we can't do it in the morning because we know he's going to be awake. So, you know, then let's throw another kid into the mix, which of course we wanted, but it was just like, and you're exhausted, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and I think one of our biggest issues was that we didn't put each other first. We always put the kids first. So we didn't put our relationship first. And mm-hmm. that makes it even more difficult to find the intimacy that is important mm-hmm. to, to sustain a relationship. Mm-hmm. Can we pause for a second here? Yes. So <laughs> yeah. I think a vast majority of our listeners are nodding their heads right now. Yes. We have many, many <laughs> listeners who are in the throes of young kids and do not know what it means to put the relationship for the oh. children. So, yes. so you having now being far out from that season, looking back, what would you say you would recommend to yourself or to others during that season? What does it actually mean to put a relationship first during that time when you're sleep deprived and life is crazy? <laughs> yes. So it's funny because I had friends get married after and I'm like, this is what I think you need to do mm. is always have a date night, always have somebody come over just to hang out with the kids, distract the kids, anything so that you can have one-on-one time with your partner mm. and to try not to talk about the kids the whole time that you're together. Mm. And now, nowadays too, they have all of these questions you can ask your partner, like on Pinterest or something like that. Yeah. And I love those things. <laughs> it, it sounds so cheesy and lame, but you find out things about your partner that you actually really don't know. And doing all that makes you laugh. It makes you giggle and just 
you have this connection mm -hmm. that um, you don't do when you're just sitting watching TV. Mm -hmm. You know, it's 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 turning off the TV, getting rid of the devices, and truly spending time with your partner. And I and at least once a week, I think it's super important to do that so that you don't lose yourselves mm -hmm. in that relationship. And really be able, I actually, this is something that I learned just the other day and I'm like, I need to put this into practice more. But when you feel like nagging at your husband, it's more of like a fear of something. So instead of saying what's bothering you about what they're doing, like, what are you scared of if they don't stop, you know? Mm. So for example, if my partner's not cleaning the kitchen and, and I'm just like, would you please just clean the kitchen? You know, that's one thing I want you to do is clean the kitchen. It's more my fear of, I know this is going to build resentment within me if I don't see you cleaning the kitchen or helping me out more, you know, and it's, and it's going to really hurt my, my view of you. Like, I just need your help. So it's, it's more about turning the conversation to you and what you're feeling or what you're scared of versus you're not doing this. You're not doing that. How do you, why do you do this? You know what I mean? It's, it's more about just really communicating your needs at that time and why. Because mm -hmm. you can't really argue with that, you know? Mm -hmm. it, 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 it doesn't put you on the defensive. Yes. It makes you think, right? Yes, absolutely. I, I want to come in here a second because I actually used to be resentful to the advice mm -hmm to put your marriage above your kids after I had kids. And I mm -hmm. talked to several girlfriends of mine that had the same experience as me because I didn't really get it. Cause I was like, you know, when you become a mom, you're just like these, these beings are your world. And my husband was okay. fine and good and I loved him and all, but like to put him above my children, I was literally yeah. like offended by that advice until some years later when after we had three and then we yeah. were completely disconnected and our marriage was in a super strained spot, I could look back and be like, oh, that's why that was necessary because we, we lost each other in it. And if you love your kids so much, then it's an act of love towards them to provide that, exactly. you know, connection in the house, that foundation. If you and your partner are laughing together like I love just just those little connecting things and having that's a happier atmosphere in your household a stronger unit for your kids to grow up around so like I get it now but mm -hmm. I really remember being like talking to girlfriends specifically and being like I hate when people say that like our you know maybe husbands <laughs> that we were mad at at this phase like our jerky husbands I don't think so I'm not putting yeah. them above my kids or whatever you know so I'm glad that you brought that up no, and it's 100% true, but and it, and it carries over for me to the people that stay with their husbands that are completely miserable for the kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, mm, yeah. you know, then they're being raised in this toxic environment. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that is so not healthy, in my opinion. Of course, that's just my opinion, but it kind of goes with the same mm -hmm. thought of you know, putting your marriage first, yeah. because then you mm -hmm. hopefully won't have to make the decision to either stay with your husband or not, right. because you put your marriage first the whole time. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. One of my favorite things yeah. is when my husband and I are being silly in the kitchen and like teasing each other, poking each other and, you know, just getting up in each other's grill yes. and being flirty. And our kids just laugh and they're not like, ew, gross. They're like, oh, you guys are being silly again. Because there's a precedent that it's not weird and gross that we would be flirty with one another. It's normal. Right. That's our relationship. And yes. as someone whose parents did get divorced, my heart is so warmed by those moments when it's not weird to them that we would have a good relationship. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yes. Such a gift that we can give. So yes. Well, thank you for those yes. practical tips. That's really helpful and important. Just sure. a really important reminder. So yeah. yeah. So, okay. So we're in this space where you and your ex-husband were getting kind of lost in the child rearing. And it sounds like there's a lot piling on, which led to this big explosion of finding out that he was cheating on you with your best friend. Can you yes. go back to that moment for us when you found out and share a little? Yeah. I just got the chills too. Cause it, it really, so I'm going to preface it by saying, several months before I found out 
there was a text exchange and I saw the text and I was like, what does this even mean? I don't remember what it said, but it was something about, I think it was something about her husband. And I, I so I don't remember, but it made me not okay. Like I started shaking. Mm. I was like, what does this even mean? So I approached him and I said, what the F is this? And, you know, they spent so much time together running that I honestly was like, I'm sure it's about that. But at the same time, there was something wrong. So he was like, no, you're right. I talked to her too much. I, you know, and I, I'll stop. I won't talk to her that much, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, okay. And I honestly don't remember if it was like that next spring or a year from then and the next spring, but on February 16th, which was a couple of days, like a couple of weeks before her 40th birthday, her husband texted me and was like, hey, give me a call when you can. And I was like, okay. And I said, well, I'm getting ready to drop our son off at school. And he's like, well, call me when you're done doing that. And I was like, okay. And I'm like, weird. I told, you know, my husband, I was like, he just texted me. And I'm sure, I'm sure it's about her 40th birthday because he's probably planning something, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she and I had been talking about going to a hotel for her birthday and just, and she was like, I don't know, I'm playing it pretty low, you know, and quiet. I just don't really feel like doing much, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, she's all worried that she's turning 40. So after I dropped my son off, I called him and he's like, well, you just might want to pull over. And I was like, okay. So I pulled over and he's like, what do you feel about, I don't want to say their names, but they're a relationship. And I was like, oh, it's fine. You know, they just run together. So they have all these conversations, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, did you get a Valentine's text? And I said, yeah. And I said, you know, I wish you, you know, I wish you were here, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, I'm afraid you're not the only one who got that text. And I was like, what? And he's like, yes, she got the same text. And he's like, so I've been looking at her phone and he's like, they're having conversations. They've seen each other and just kind of laid it all out for me. Mm. So of course my daughter is at home with my ex and I drive up to the house and he is standing outside because she immediately called him and was like, Dale just found out. Mm. So he's telling Heather right now. So I walk up to the house and of course I was just like, what is going on? Mm. You know? And so it was from that point, it was just kind of like this explosion of, do you love her? Are you having sex with her? Mm-hmm. How long has this been going on? And, and all of this. But the strangest thing is two days before I found out, it was a Sunday, and well, the Grammys were on and Mumford and Sons played Lion Man. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which, um, you know, and I was like, oh my God, I love this song. This is the best. And I think Gwyneth Paltrow saying, um, forget you on there too, mm-hmm. with Hillary, both about, you know, relationships and affairs and stuff. And that night I had a dream that the two of them, my ex and my best friend were together naked, walking around in a room and it didn't even mean anything. Like it was no big deal to either Mm -hmm. one of them. Hmm. And I woke up and I texted her because I wanted to know what her response was because I think I knew, but I didn't know. But you reached out to her. I sure did. Cause I was like, I want to see what she says to this. And she just kind of went, wow, that's so weird. And that was, that was it. Oh my goodness. Wow. And then I just kind of let it go. And then, you know, again, little kids. So you take your mind off of everything. And then I got that phone call. Mm. So that was the morning and, you know, awful. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I can smile. <laughs> yeah. Talking about now, it. now you can. <laughs> yes, now. Yeah. I, so I immediately lost like 15 pounds in three weeks. And, mm. you know, someone in my neighborhood was like, oh my God, you look so good. What have you been doing? <laughs> And I'm like, I never say that anymore to anyone because, you know, you just never know what people are going through and why. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then it was just all about picking up the pieces and just learning so much about the anatomy of an affair, which is one of the things that I think is so important for the the betrayed know Mm -hmm. so that they understand what their partner is going through. Mm -hmm. And so you can have a little bit of empathy for that. Mm -hmm. Just a little. (laughs) I'd love to know a little bit about what that means. I don't know what that means, the anatomy of an affair. (laughs) So, yes, it's basically what your partner is going through. I I mean, there's there's something actually called affair fog, which I never heard about Mm -hmm. until I was in a support group. And I was like, wait a minute, what is this? And you have these hormones, chemicals and dopamine and all that kind of stuff that is your happy hormones just building, building, building. But at the same time, 
there's cognitive dissonance, which is when you, your brain is like, I am such a good guy. You know, I have a family and I've done so well, but at the same time, I'm such a horrible person because I've just had an affair. And so it's like pulling you apart. But at the same time, you're trying to convince yourself this affair was, was okay. This is why I did it. And then you start making up stories of why you chose to stray. Like our relationship Mm -hmm. never was good. Look at how unhappy we've been the last several years Mm -hmm. and, you know, just kind of making up a new history. Mm -hmm. Like it's almost like a completely non-voluntary. It's it's almost like your brain has taken over mm-hmm. your actual brain. Mm-hmm. Like your thought process is completely changed from before. And so, you know, there would be days where he would come back and then talk to her again and leave again. And, and it's all just part of the process because I f- almost feel like just cold turkey isn't enough because there's always going to be that desire Mm-hmm. that is lingering out there. So it's, for me, it's almost like it's important to kind of have the closure with the partner somehow. I was lucky for different ways because they didn't have a reason to have to see each other. Somebody at work and stuff is very different. My opinion is at that point, I don't care what happens. You get a new job, like mm-hmm. to make me feel more comfortable. There's also a time where it's like, you get to call the shots anyway. But to go back to the affair, of the anatomy, there's gaslighting, mm-hmm. you're crazy, I'm not talking. And yet at the same time, that's absolutely happening. They're still talking. Mm-hmm. I tended to, this is why we need to stay together. And so I would beg almost mm-hmm. like, this is why, you know, think about this. This is what I do for you. This is what we have. This is, what... And that was a turn off to him. You know, he made it, then he would just kind of act like I was crazy. And so I found that just kind of letting him work it out with his therapist was best thing because I couldn't control him Mm -hmm. I could only control me Mm -hmm. and that's when I started realizing okay I need to focus on myself a just my self-esteem build my self-confidence build I need to know that I can get through this and then he's going to see that too and I don't know if this is true but it seems like it would kind of like make that a fair like if it's not bothering me as much then it stops him from spinning so much about why our relationship is so bad because if you're not so needy, then that takes away that, oh my God, you're so annoying. This is why I had an affair, right? Mm. You're taking yourself off the table as one of the factors. Take yourself out of the mm-hmm. mix. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you guys ended up going to counseling. We did. Was that a mutually agreed upon thing? Was that because you both wanted to make it work? How was the attitude about the relationship after this came out? So it it took probably six months, I think, hmm. until he cut all communication off. But it, during this time, we were going to see counsel- to a therapist, mm-hmm. but he still wasn't being completely honest. Hmm. So he really did want to make the marriage work. Like, you know, he knew that he was kind of wrong and, you know, our kids are worth it. And, and we also went to a support group, which was very hard for him. Hmm. But luckily it was a support group for couples Um, But he was very shut down most of the time. Like he didn't open up a lot. So, you know, we did the therapy and we, I mean, we built a new house. We did all sorts of things like to just kind of put it past us. And then not even a year into our new house, we were both just like, this isn't working. Hmm. And come to find out later that, you know, he was like, you know, I never really put a hundred percent into our therapy. Hmm. He's like, I just, I kind of always thought that I would be with her. Oh. So he was always kind of half in, half out. Yeah. Wow. Which was which was fun to hear. Right. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> but again, I was glad to have that time because that whole time, I mean, I was building myself up. I was like working yeah. my shit because I knew I had an, another aha moment where I was sitting in our living room and I was like, you know what? I don't want a relationship where I feel like he's there because he feels like he has to be, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Because that's kind of how both of my grandparents were married that way. Like my one of my grandmas tricked my grandpa into marrying her because she got pregnant. The other one was like they were really older and was kind of like, oh, she looks sturdy. She'll have kids. It was there was never like a true love story, mm-hmm. right? And I wanted the love story, mm-hmm. and I wanted my kids to see the love story. And that's kind of what sealed the deal for me. And I was like, I this is not my love story because I'm still not feeling completely supported and the, the love that I want to feel mm-hmm. from him. So, and he was the same, you know, he, he wasn't happy either. So it was a very mutual mm-hmm. separation and hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was not easy, but. Wow. Yeah. Did you feel like that love story that you desired 
was ever part of your relationship? Not really. Were you aware that you wanted it? Not really. <laughs> so this was a Not discovery really. for you. Well, and this was, and, and here's why. I think it was because I was always too scared to voice my opinion. And it was just the next step for us. And we have both had this conversation saying the same thing. We were great friends. To this day, we laugh. We get along great. Like, he's a great guy. And I do not wish at all that I was married to him. I mean, he's, you know, when my kids get to see a great friendship between us, but there was way too much stress and way too much trying to pump him up that I do not miss at all. So the flags were definitely there before I got married, but I was like, oh my gosh, what else am I going to do? This is, this is the next step. We're such good friends, you know, and we have a great partnership, but there was a lot of therapy that both of us should have been going through way before we got married to have our relationship work. And it wasn't like a toxic relationship. It, it wasn't. It was just, it wasn't the love story I wanted. It wasn't this, you know, I, I, I don't want to say like a rom-com because that's kind of like silly too. But like with when I was dating my husband now, I was like, oh my God, I'm living a rom-com, you know, um, because that's how you should feel. You know, you should feel that special. And I just, I never really felt that special. Hmm. I felt loved. I felt like, hey, she's a great girl, you know? Right. But I do blame myself a little bit for that because I didn't do the work and I didn't speak up when I was uncomfortable with maybe we shouldn't be getting married. Let's let's take a deeper dive. Mm. Right. And he didn't either because I'm sure he was scared of what would happen had he said that. So, yeah, I think we can all look back at the younger versions of ourselves and have those thoughts about different decisions being made for sure. Right. That's what I was going to say. That's the joy of getting older. Right. Is like Mm -hmm. the experience and the knowledge you gain. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. I'm curious. So obviously you did so much work on yourself and your life after this experience, and now you've turned it into a career. So I want to hear a little bit about what that's like. So as a, what did you refer to yourself as an affair recovery coach? Can you just give us like an overview of like what that looks like, what the components are like, what's that journey all about? Yes. So I was actually, it was so funny. I was on a walk one day and I heard this man talking about coming over addiction. And he was like, it's kind of the addiction advantage. And I was like, oh my God, and there's an affair advantage too. So I took that term and kind of ran with it because I, there's so many times where I was like, an affair can be a positive thing. Like even if your marriage works, it's going to be a new relationship for you. It has to be right. Because what you were doing before isn't working. Mm-hmm. So it's a complete rebirth of, of yourself your relationship or future relationships. Mm -hmm. So my focus though is kind of for people that have just found out and that are working through it with their partners. Mm -hmm. But again, not focusing on your partner, just focusing on yourself. So the affair advantage has three pillars, transition, transformation, and then triumph. Mm -hmm. And so the transition period is basically you found out about this affair and that's when you we kind of talk about, okay, what's the anatomy of affair, what your affair partner is going through, as hard as it is, you're going to need to find some empathy for them. Mm-hmm. And then the grief, you know, you're going through all of the grief steps, and you just need to give yourself time to do that. And then transformation is basically, you're working on yourself 100%. How did I show up? How did my behavior or my triggers affect my relationship? And again, nobody deserves an affair. You did not cause an affair, but there's an unhappiness there. And why? Um, I don't work with people that have like sex addiction or stuff like that. If their partners have sex addiction and stuff, because that's something that we just can't control or they're going to have to get like major help for that. But it's always about just you and you know like how was your relationships growing up where was your voice Mm -hmm. how did you handle stress and that type of thing so Mm -hmm. I like to look at all of that type of stuff as well Mm -hmm. because so many times you know it's easy to blame the affair partner and move on Mm -hmm. but all of those things you're going to carry into another relationship right right? Mm -hmm. so so in order to I think really thrive and and be your best self it's important to look at and and grow Mm -hmm. from that experience and and just be honest with yourself Mm -hmm. And then, of course, like the triumph piece is like, this is when you get to look back and just be proud of what you've done, who you've become, how far your relationships progressed or how far you've progressed outside of your relationship. Um, 
again, one of my triumphs was I was sitting in a rom-com. It was that movie train wreck. And I was like, oh my God, this is my boyfriend. Like, I feel like I'm living the rom-com finally. And that's my triumph. Right. So, um, and then it's just celebrating that, that mm-hmm. triumph of, of how far you've come. Yes. So those are three beautiful stages that I think we all can relate to in these micro ways in our lives. When we go through something big is who are we now on the other side of that? That's right. And so I love that so much. So sitting in that triumph, can you share with us a bit of how you've grown? I'm going to focus in on your sexual self since that's more our focus here. How have you grown in your sexual self through this transformative process? Well, luckily my, so my husband is just very emotional. He is so open and loving and not scared. Mm -hmm. I mean, listen, the man cries all the time and you know, it's like, you don't, it's hard to find that, but he's so like, I remember one of the first times that we were intimate and he said something so goofy and I was like, Oh my God, I can, you know, I can be, this can be fun too Mm -hmm. and goofy and So it's just way more fun, you know, it's just more fun and it means so much more. I feel like it's just, it's like this, it's a true love connection, if you will. It's just so great. Like the sex is awesome because of so many different things, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, there's an emotional safety, Mm -hmm. I guess, Mm -hmm. right. That, that I just, I know I can be whoever I want to be and he's going to love me no matter what, which, you know. Side note, perimenopause is a thing. So it's like that messes with your head a lot for Mm -hmm. sex and intimacy, which is something that I'm just starting to really feel and experience, but that's Mm -hmm. a whole other podcast. For sure. (laughs) You know, (laughs) yes. (laughs) And it's it's really like, it's funny because one of my best friends, I've always just told her, I'm like, whatever you do, you need need to try to have sex because this is one of the things I learned with our counselor is that sex is the one thing that you and your partner are going to experience like nobody else. Like nobody else can experience that. And that is a huge connecting point, but also planning time to have sex, which is a huge thing for my husband and I, because we don't live together. And so I was like, that just sounds so unromantic planning out sex. And a friend of mine forwarded me an article Mm -hmm. that said, what is more romantic than making time to be intimate with your partner? Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Like that's so romantic because you're putting them first and this is how important you are to me, you know? And so that was a whole kind of change for me. And that was just like, not even a year ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, I feel like there's, there's this theme that I'm I'm seeing from your early relationship with your ex-husband and how prioritizing your relationship just fell off to the wayside and how you're now in a season where you have a choice again to prioritize or not based on not living in the same place. And so what does that look like now to prioritize this new relationship that's in a very different season than young children? Yeah, this is no children. I feel like sometimes it might've made my mom upset because I would say, you know, I'm going to spend time with him. I'd never miss anything for my kids, but if for some reason, like, oh, well, it would be good if I was there, but I'm like, you know what? I need to make sure I'm there for my husband too. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. and you know, now my kids don't care because they're like, whatever, but they were young when we started dating, you know, they were like eight and 10, Mm. but I also wanted to make sure that they saw that I was spending time with him and that I was making that relationship a priority and that Mm -hmm. they were around that and they saw his support of me. And he always, he doesn't have kids. So he has all the time in the world. And he, I mean, one of the times that he cried that I was like, oh my gosh, seriously, he took my daughter to go see like a pants movie. And he cried at the end. And and he was like, what was your favorite part of the movie? And she's like, when you cry, you know? And so, you know, they're both able to see this and he's he connects with them really well. So I, the priority of me making him feel important around my kids and not prioritizing them as much to where he felt like he was the backseat. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. I tried to make, I've been trying to make him feel just as important as my kids because I want them to see that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's the clincher though. Okay. How do you balance this desire to prioritize and also knowing that you tend to be a pleaser? That's a great question. I'm trying to learn, <laughs> but the other thing is I, I know I'm safe with him. So I don't feel mm. so bad if I speak up. 
But you know what? When I date, I dated several people between the end of my marriage and my beginning dating of him. And you know what? I just was like, I know I can conquer anything at this point. So I'm not scared to say anything. Mm -hmm. It was, again, that was kind of like the triumph of going through all of this is that I know I can make it no matter what happens. So I'm not as scared. It's because sometimes I'll just really just say what I want to say. <laughs> Maybe I should change it a little bit. And that is something that I have to work on too, is because like, you know, my family's communication style is basically if you're not listening to me or don't care what I'm saying, I go for the jugular and I will say something awful just to see if you will wow. hear me. Right. Wow. And that's awful to do. Yeah. But again, that goes back to speaking what you're scared about or what this fear is that you're feeling instead of trying to make somebody feel bad for whatever they're doing that is bothering you. Mm. So just lots of growth, ladies. It's yeah. so much growth. <laughs> so much growth. Yeah. But I do try I do try to stop myself and I will tell him. The other thing that is huge too is that I no longer say something and then just let it go. I will always go back and apologize and explain why I said it. And I practice mm -hmm. that with my kids too, because I think that's super important because so many times you get just iced out and there's no explanation. You know, I will always explain here is why I just said that. I'm so sorry I said it, but this is what I was feeling. And I should have said this in the first place. Mm -hmm. And I say, I'll say 85% of the time I do that. That's a great practice like getting under yes. those feelings and identifying what you really need, which is why then the hurt yes. came out. So exactly, yeah. exactly. It's yeah. huge. And it, and again, it keeps the person receiving the information from getting on the defensive, which yeah. just shuts down all communication because right. nobody likes that. Right. Well, yeah. around here, we are all about telling the truth. That is something we believe yes. deeply in. And I feel like you just wrapped that up so beautifully and just shared so much about truth and how that is just the water of life that flows in a relationship and makes all the difference. So 100%. Oh my goodness. So Heather, this has been such a joy. We just so appreciate you taking this time to share with us your story. And I'd love to hear how our audience can connect with you. Yes. So right now I am on Instagram at the Heather Silver. And I do have a couple of 30-minute sessions that are free to start off, um, available right now. And I will have a website coming. It's not finished yet, but I will have that and a freebie coming up soon as well. Wonderful. So if there's any interest, I could just a DM through Instagram would be great. I do have my account private just because of the nature of my business. Mm. So I will just accept as people request to follow. Mm. That's wonderful. So much important support. I think you're serving a really unique set of women who have really unique needs and you're approaching it in, I believe, a very unique way. Mm. Thank you. Yes. Thanks very much. So wonderful. I appreciate it. It's been so great talking with you guys and thank you for giving me the time. Absolutely. It is our pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Not Tonight podcast. If today's story inspired you to take the next step in your own relationship, we invite you to take our free key to closeness quiz. Go to nottonight.org slash quiz to get started today. We also greatly appreciate your support by subscribing to future episodes and please leave our podcast a five-star review. Until next time, keep doing the work in your sex life, whatever that looks like for you.